everybody. How are you today? Okay, Scott is good. How's the rest of you? (laughs) Come on, stand up with me. We're here to praise the Lord this morning in song. I want you to raise your voices and just know that Jesus is here. And let's praise him and celebrate. Amen? Here we go.
God, you are worthy of all of our praise and just knowing that we are alive because of who you are. We are alive because of Jesus Christ. And God, we want to praise your name this morning. As we sang, you are the way, the truth, and the life. That is straight from Scripture. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. God, we believe that you died on the cross. We believe that you shed our blood. We believe that you rose from the dead, Lord. And if we claim that and believe that in our hearts, that you've risen from the dead and that you're preparing a place in heaven for us today, Lord God, we then become one of your children. And we thank you for that. We are children of the King, children of God, and we praise you. So, Lord, as we continue just praising your name this morning, we want to give this day to you because you are worthy of all of our praise. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. Can we celebrate and worship the God who has given us salvation through Jesus Christ? Can we worship him here? Listen, I don't know how you can sing that song and not get excited about what God has done. It's incredible being raised from death into life. So we we have so much to worship God for and to be thankful for. Guys, it is so good to be with you. And we have guests in the house and guests online. We want to say welcome. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for joining us uh, here at Crossroads. If you're our guest here in the house, uh, please stop by the Welcome Center as they love to connect with you and just give you a, a small gift by just saying thanks for being here. Thanks for being our guest this morning. And if you're online... Let Elena know, and she'll get connected with you and, and just help you uh, answer questions and, and get connected here at Crossroads. But, guys, we're, we're thanking God for, for just what he's doing here at Crossroads. And so if you're our guest, man, God bless you. We're so glad you're here joining us. I want to invite Connie Brady up on stage. She's going to talk to us about the Meals Ministry and what's happening. Connie, what is going on with the Meals Ministry? Well, we had a very nice turnout for the first session, for the first service. Um, what I do is I have a list of people who are volunteers that make meals for people that are recovering from surgery, accidents, whenever or whatever they are going through, we will do a meal for them. We do it Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, usually for about two weeks, depending on how they're, how they're doing. Um, so what, what I do is then I call you and you tell me when, you know, I'll give you the dates and then you could tell me when you think that you might be able to make a meal for somebody. Um, if you can't deliver it, which it's usually just pretty much around our Finleyville area, um, but I would be happy to do that for you. Um, other than that, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I appreciate everybody that is volunteering, um, and I would like your help if you would like to give it. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Good job, Connie. So listen, if you are interested in in joining this Meals Ministry team, please uh, stop by uh, the table in the foyer and connect with Connie and her team. You can also go on the front page of our website, and you can sign up to volunteer to be a part of that team. So there's there's a couple different ways that you can jump on and help and serve. But listen, what Connie and the Meals Ministry team is doing is incredible. It's just absolutely incredible what they're doing, and they're, they're really showing the hands and feet of Jesus through what they're doing. So we thank God for Connie and, and all of you, all of you church, all of you crossroads who have uh, made meals and provided for people. Thank you so much. Um, God's using you, believe me, to encourage and, and, and really uh, change families' lives. So uh, ch- step by and talk to Connie in the foyer and the, at the table after the service is over. Listen, I want to let you ladies know your women's retreat is coming up. 
the 25th to the 27th of March. You can register on the front page of our website, or you can stop by the Welcome Center in the foyer and talk to them there, and they can help you get registered for the Women's Retreat. But it's the 25th to the 27th of March. Also, I want to make a quick note um, uh, in the bulletin. It mentions that MOPS is tomorrow. It's actually Tuesday at 9.15 a.m. MOPS for you ladies, mothers of preschoolers. So if you haven't checked it out, moms, I encourage you to check it out. It's a great group and a great community there. And I heard there's also warm meals there, too. So check it out this Tuesday, 9.15, um, and we're looking forward to just seeing the continued lives change out of MOPS. Also, Next Steps is going to be the 13th of March, and so you can register on the front page of our website uh, to come and be a part of taking your next step here at Crossroads and becoming part of our church family. So that's going to be on the 13th. And then listen, men, Wednesday nights, I've heard, has been on fire. Ladies, I've heard Wednesday nights has been on fire. So it, God is doing an incredible work. And so this Wednesday, men, you are going to be meeting in the auditorium and starting a brand new study, The Case for Christ. So join Pastor Ken um, and all the rest of the guys here at Crossroads this Wednesday night at 630 here in the auditorium. Also, um, I want to let you guys know that just God is continuing to use your gifts use your offerings in changing people's lives and it is so on mission here at Crossroads. So thank you for giving through the mail, uh, the offering boxes on the wall and for giving online. God is, is, is challenging and he's changing us as any church. And so thank you for your gifts. Thank you for giving unto the Lord and he's just challenging us and he's changing us and making us more into himself. But guys, we're thankful that you're here and God's going to do work this morning. Would you pray as we continue on? Actually, would you all stand as we all as we continue on this morning? Lord, uh, we're blessed to be in your house. We're blessed to be here, God, to, to be a part of what you're doing here at Crossroads in Finleyville. God, we're just challenged every single day, God, by the things of the life that life throws at us. God, thank you that we've been raised from death unto life because of Christ. So at the cross, that's where we bow. And Lord, every single day, that's where we got to be. It's to be at the foot of the cross depending on you for every single every single minute, for every single trial, every single thing that we go through. You are the only power in our lives. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for carrying us through those times where we had a hard time, or Lord, for celebrating us when we had the mountaintop experiences. God, you're with us through it all. Because of Christ, we stand. As your church, we all say, amen. Oh, don't be sitting down. We're going to sing some more.
today. As Ken comes, Lord, and opens the word, please allow every word that he says today to just penetrate into our hearts, Lord God. Change us. Make us different so that we can go out and share the gospel with the great world that you've given us the opportunity to serve. We love you, Lord. Amen. been looking at the proverbs, how that you can live like a pro, how God has given you the wisdom that you need for today. It's 2022, but God in his wisdom gave us everything that you need, and he gave it to you in his word. He gave you an instruction manual. We've been taking a lot of time in the book of Proverbs because I think we need wisdom today, don't we? I know I need wisdom. I keep seeking the Lord. I keep asking the Lord for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And wisdom is more than just knowing good from bad. You see, everybody can make a list of good and bad. Uh, that, there's, that's pretty simple. You look at a list and you do good you, or you do bad. But God is giving us the ability to have wisdom. And so wisdom here comes along. When you think about wisdom, you, wisdom is how to make the right decision at the right time. Wisdom is how to, uh, to make the right decision with the person to work with. Who are you going to work with on a particular project? Maybe it's the wisdom to accept the job or not accept the job. If you're dating somebody, it's the wisdom to, should I continue to date or should I get married? Should we get married? What, what should we do? So you have all these wisdoms. And so today we're going to be talking about this, the challenge of wisdom. Because as you look in God's Word, you're going to find out that there is a challenge of wisdom. You go through and you'll find out that, hey, listen, there's a lot of knowledge there. You can gain a lot of things. But the challenge of wisdom comes whenever you go out and you have to make the decision. When you're in the middle of a job situation, you're in a crisis, you have to, should I or shouldn't I? It's not necessarily if it's right or wrong. Many times, some of the options are both good options. And so we have to make an option. I sat with somebody a, a little while ago here, and they were asking me, you know, what did I think on a particular action that they could go? And, and I said, well, you have option A and you have option B. They're both good options. Neither one is morally wrong. So these are good things. So we have to ask God for the wisdom. Lord, is this the right direction? I may lean this way, but God may want you to go a different way. And so we're going to look here in the passage here. Mark, uh, Mark, <laughs> I was in Mark for a whole year, right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching. Oh, I love this. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. Man, he says, I remember this is Solomon talking to his son. What were the commands that he gave him? Well, you see them all over the book of Proverbs. But it goes back a little bit further than that. It goes back to, to what God gave. And he's saying, listen, take the word of the Lord and live by it. And so implement the word of the Lord into your life. And, and listen, this will prolong your life. It will bring you peace and prosperity. 
when you see that word prosperity, I'm always hesitant because our culture has assigned when we see prosperity, we think like really, really prosperity, right? We think like, wow, filthy rich. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily what he's talking about. I want you to know that everybody in this room, you are already prosperous. You live in the richest country in the world. Do you understand that? Like we live at a standard of living that nobody is at. But God in his wisdom here says, listen, I want you to not forget these things. Hide them in your heart and live according to them because this will enhance your life. You will find peace. You will do well in life if you follow God's principles. Follow the law of the Lord. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Man, you know, I think this is what we all want, isn't it? I want to go to work and I want to get along with people. Um, I, I want to be able to have a family where, where we're all happy and we get along. I want, to be, I want to do right before God, but I also want to do right before my friends and my family, my coworkers. Jesus himself, the scripture says that Jesus found favor with God and man. If you go to Luke chapter 2, he found favor with God and man. So when you, when you understand this, like you can have favor with, with people and you can have favor with God. And, and you put God first. He says, but this, the way you do it is that love and faithfulness never leave you. You, you have them. They are, they are a part of your, who you are. You never leave home without them. And then he says, trust in the Lord. Oh, verse 5. You, are, you probably recognize verse 5 and 6 here. Let's read this out loud together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all your ways acknowledge the Lord. So there, there's, there's a wisdom that you can lean on. It's called your wisdom, right? So you have experience. There's things that you've learned from life and there's experience that you can give. And so God says don't rely on that. Your own wisdom can be faulty. Come before the Lord, acknowledge him in all of your ways, lean on his wisdom. So how do we get that? I come and I ask God in every circumstance and in every situation, Lord, what decision do you want me to do here? There's A and a B. Which way do you want me to go today? It doesn't matter that the last time that I did this, this was my wisdom, and I could do this. No, no, no. I come, and I am in total dependence. I'm relying on him, and that's what he says. And I think that many people have taken these verses to, to make them say whatever they want them to say. Just acknowledge the Lord, and everything will be fine. Everything will be happy. It's not what the passage says. It says that he'll make your path straight. He'll direct your life. He'll open and close doors to get you to the destination that he's trying to take you. And that destination that he's trying to take you is to become like Christ. And so as you come and you acknowledge that, he's going to open. He's going to close the doors. He's going to guide your path. And he is going to do what he is going to do in your life. And now it's not because of what you've chosen to do. It's because you've leaned on him. He continues on, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This is so important. Do not be wise. Don't go. It's, he's reiterating here. Lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This is how God has desired for us to live. You want to find joy? 
I mean, listen, here's what happens. When, when I'm relying on my own understanding, if I'm with a group of people that doesn't have a conviction that I have, so I have a conviction and I'm following God and I realize that God wants me to do a particular thing, if I get with a group of people and they don't have that conviction, what I tend to do is, and this is what human nature tends us to do, we, we kind of just, well, we just kind of fall back and we slide back and, and we adapt to what everybody else is doing. And then as you adapt to what everybody else is doing, what happens is you have now made wisdom. You've made your own wisdom that, hey, listen, well, I'm just going to, well, it's okay. And you start to make all these excuses because you left the fear of the Lord behind. As a matter of fact, you feared being rejected more than you feared the Lord. And so this is, this is where God says, do not, listen, do not let the, do not be wise in your own eyes. Because when we make the wisdom in our own eyes, that's when the problem starts to come. We rationalize, we do everything, and we say, well, you know, I was just trying. Oh, it's just this, it's just that. And then he goes into, in the next few verses, two major challenges of wisdom. And these are the challenges of wisdom that we're going to park on here today. Two major challenges here. Number one, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. What he says here is, and we talked about this last week in relation to work. We said that when you're choosing your job, your business, share the profits with God, because he, he is your provider. And so as our provider, we come and we give that to the Lord. God, you've given me everything. Here's the top 10%. Not the last fruits, not an afterthought, not if you can afford it. You give it to the Lord. And, and you see what that does is you're saying, God, I am coming to you. We're going to come back to that one there because we talked about that a little bit more last week. And, uh, and what he's talking about there, though, is, is pretty big. And number two, continuing on, as you look at verse 11 and 12, these are right next to it. And for the longest time, I looked at this passage and I thought, these are two different topics. What is he doing? Why is Proverbs so random like this? He says, my son, he just gets done talking about this. You know, give your first fruits to the Lord, then God will fill your, fill your barns. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. The next verse there. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, now check that out. He says, do not, do not despise. How are these two connected? Like, what? He's just so random. He's talked about all this wisdom. Don't lean on your own understanding. Give everything, you know, give the first fruits to the Lord. And then he comes in and says, don't be upset when you get disciplined. And I want to share with you a couple things here this morning. The word discipline, when you see that word discipline in the Old Testament there, it's giving us this concept of pain. There, there's, there's a degree of pain there. Uh, and, and what he's talking about here is two major challenges here. There's two major challenges. Number one is success. When we have times of success, man, it is great, isn't it? We love it, but it's a dangerous zone. We pray for success. There are, there's business people all over our church. We pray for your success. We pray for everyone's job to succeed. We talked all last week how to win at work, how to succeed, right? But when you do finally get to the success... You've made your goal. You have attained it. That's where the danger comes. 
And it's a very dangerous place spiritually. It's a fun place, but it is also a dangerous place. When Jesus went out to the wilderness to be tempted, it was after one of the highlights of his ministry. He was just baptized. The Father came down and said, this is my, uh, you know, from heaven, the voice, from, the Father's voice from heaven came down and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You had the dove, and he's baptized. It's this big moment. And then the very next couple verses, he's in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan himself. After a great success is one of the most vulnerable times for temptation. And you wouldn't think that. You would think, wow, success is a good time. So that's what verses 9 and 10 10 are about. He says, listen, honor the Lord with your wealth. You see, when you honor the Lord with your wealth, you're coming back and you are reminding yourself that this wasn't all about you. God gave you that brain. Well, sometimes we forget who gave you that brain. God gave you that skill. Sometimes you forget that God is the one who gave you that skill. Sometimes you forget about that air you breathe all day today already, and that that came from God too. And when I give that back to the Lord, you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, God, this is my visible expression to my family, to my wife, to my children. I'm giving this to you, Lord. And most importantly, it's a visible expression to me that I'm not in charge. That you are. You see, that's the moment of success can be dangerous. And that's why he tells us to do that. And when we don't, well, there's a number of other things that can happen. He also talks there, the next two verses, when he's talking about the discipline, is suffering. You see, there's a degree of pain that comes whenever, we, whenever we're disciplined. You know, the word discipline, when I say discipline, you go, oh, everybody does that, Right? Either being disciplined or discipline. Like, I have to have discipline. You think about discipline. There's disciplines in my life. Things that I want to do, that I want to grow in. So, therefore, I have to add a discipline into my life. When you add a discipline into your life, there's pain. It's just, you know, try, try doing something new, like reading the Bible. If you want to read the Bible, I'm, you know, listen, I'm doing something crazy. I told you last week about the Bible app. You know, listen to the whole New Testament in 30 days. Man, there's pain that comes with that, right? Not from listening to the Bible, but I had to give up something else. Okay? And so as you do that, and then there's pain that you didn't do it, right? So you have all kind of pain. I want you to think about the child that you have to discipline. You know, when you have kids, that's part of life. You have to discipline them, right? And so what happens, your, your kid comes home and your kid can make a, you know, your kid's capable of being straight A's, but he comes home with a D on his report card. So what happens is you come and you add some pain into his life to get him at least back to a B. You say, okay, I'm taking your phone. I'm taking, you're not going to go play soccer today. And the kid, all the kid does is he just starts to cry. What do you mean? Dad, you hate me. No, Dad doesn't hate you. Dad sees that if you keep this route going, that you are going to fail miserably. So he's taking the one failure and he says, listen, let me bring some pain in. And, you know, as a child, I never understood that. When my parents disciplined me, I never understood that. All I ever saw was the pain. Oh, My dad doesn't know anything. My mom doesn't know anything. And you go and you rationalize and you reason with this because there's pain. 
So the scripture says here, with suffering, understand that there's pain. And so with discipline, there's pain. So God brings discipline. He brings pain into our life. And you say, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, number one, we're all fallen. There's so many sins that we do that we don't even know that we've done, right? Number two, you didn't have to do anything wrong. God knows what he can shape you to be. And with that, and with that in mind... And you see pain come into your life? Have you ever thought of it as, wow, this is the loving hand of a father who cares about me. This is my almighty dad, my almighty father in heaven. God himself cares enough about me not to let me go on the path of destruction, but to cause pain to get my attention right here, right now, so that he can deal with my pride, with my ego, that he can deal with my uh, whatever. You name it. He's going to deal with it. And so he comes along, and there's pain that gets inflicted. And says the Scripture says here, do not run from that. Don't despise that. Man, when I was younger, I despised discipline all the time. I was the kid that needed a little bit more. <laughs> Listen, I, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like what that person said. I don't like that, you know, the teacher made me write, you know, I still don't understand why they made me write those things, you know, I will not, whatever, a hundred times. I hated that. Now I think that's yesterday's news, right? They don't do that anymore. But, but I want you to catch this. There, there's things that you did. There's suffering that was inflicted that helped you become the person that you are today and god says listen when you have some suffering in your life i want you to understand that there are times of success and there's times of suffering and you see so what happens here is uh is that these things will come up in our life and they will uh they they will become uh challenges to your life whether they are good times or whether they're bad times i like what c.s lewis said c.s lewis one of the great apologist thinkers of our of our modern era. He said this. He, he said that, hey, listen, if you want to go and find out if you have rats at home in your basement, you don't go and make a big announcement. You don't go turn on all the lights and say, hey, I'm coming to get the rats. We're going to get the rats right now. Come on, come on. And you know, turn on the lights, rattle the doorknob, and then go down and sit there and wait for the rats to come to you. He says what you're going to do is you're going to leave the lights off. You're going to very quietly open the doorknob. You're going to tiptoe. Then you're going to turn a little flashlight on, and then the rats will scurry away from you. And then you will know that you've had rats. And so what happens in our heart is this. We look at success, and we interpret it as, wow, that was really good. And we look at suffering, and we interpret it as, wow, that was really bad. In the meantime, God is trying to turn the light on. You see, because you're not going to see it. You don't go in and say, okay, let me find out what's wrong in my heart today. When you have that moment of success, it's an opportunity for you to find out what's going on inside. Look look here at a few scriptures here this morning, just talking about some of the success here. The wages of the righteous bring them life, but the income of the wicked bring punishment. Wow, that's a very interesting. You know, the, the righteous, those that are following Christ, that are like you've got the righteousness of God in your life. And I want you to catch this because when you're reading Proverbs and you see this righteous versus the wicked, uh, especially in terms of income, think of it like this. The righteous, by definition, those are the ones who, who, disadvantage, um, who, who disadvantage themselves for the good of the community. 
They, they, they take one for them, they, they take it for the team, if you will, right? They disadvantage themselves for the community. The wicked, they disadvantage the community for themselves. So they'll come and they'll say, I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to, I'm going to abuse the system. I'm going to make it all about me. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever and I'm going to, it's all about me. That's where the righteous comes and says, all right, I'm still going to be successful. I'm still going to have a business and, well, I'm going to maybe disadvantage myself to take care of the community, and I'm doing it because God is my provider, and I don't have to make everything. I just have to see what God is going to do. And so when you see this, this is where prosperity can make you more, uh, more close to God or can make you far away from God. Um, if you're foolish and you, you're, you're coming along, you're living along the, the life of the foolish here, and he says, listen, just because there's finances, you could have gotten them foolishly. He says, listen, you may be saying, God, I want more money. I need you to bless my business. I need it to be more. And God says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You've gotten that through foolish means. I've got to bring a little bit of pain in here. And, and I've, I've got to bring this. I've got to bring you back to myself. And so God, God does all those type of things. Proverbs ten twenty five. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Oh, I love this verse because over and over and over we see that the wicked. They're gone. And I always think of that in terms as the wicked is my opponent, right? The, the other person who's doing evil. Uh, Psalm 37 says that they're like the grass that has been cut down. They soon wither and they blow away. You know, I, I love that. I think of that every time I cut my grass because I don't bag it. I leave it there to seed my neighbor's lawn. And it blows away. It does. And you have to be very skilled. You can't do it all at once. You have to, like, slowly do that. My neighbors love me. But listen, that's what he says the wicked are like. And, and let me share the verse here. He says that when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. When bad times come, when, when pain comes, when suffering comes, you can tell what's really going on in the heart of someone. Because throughout my lifetime, I have watched and I have seen uh, just over and over and over that when trouble comes... One of two things happen. Either they run to God or they run from God. The storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. In other words, listen, you didn't know inside your heart that there was a heart condition going on because what happened here was the the adversity really brought it out and it showed you something. And now now you find out that adversity reveals the foundation of your life. And so when you're going through times of adversity, you're going through times of pain, that's when you find out what your life was really built on. See, when everything's happy-go-lucky, yeah, everybody can be happy when things are happy. But when the storm comes, you find out where you're really built on. And the scripture in that, in that verse there in Proverbs says that, man, the wicked, they are gone. The righteous stand firm forever. Man, this is what God has for us in our life. He wants you to build your life on Him. And so we have a couple things there. Um, you know, in the, in the Scripture, success and suffering. Success and suffering. And I want, I want you to catch this because success and suffering, these are, are two things. You will, you will experience success and you will experience suffering. And he says, don't run from this and honor God with this, right? So honor God with your success don't run from the suffering. Don't run from the hand of an almighty God. So success and suffering. And what, what do they do here? Let, let me explain this, what happens here. 
they reveal things in our hearts. So there's two things I'm going to share with you that success and suffering do. Number one, they reveal the sinfulness in my heart. After a time of success, after a time of suffering, you can look and you can find out what's going in your heart, what's going on in that heart. Um, Also, they reveal the idols that we worship. Like, what is it that has come and has taken the place of God in my life? And, and so it can reveal the idol that we worship. So as, as we go through these, these two, they seem like polar opposites. It seems like, man, God put these verses right next to each other so we get our attention. This is the reason why. Because we will find out that in my heart, after something good happens, I tend to find out, hey, what is really going on inside of my heart let me explain it like this there we've seen our country go through uh, a number of crazy things in the last few years we've seen riots and looting we've seen all kind of things and this isn't the first time and we've seen this in years gone by and years gone by and what happens is you see people that would never go out and do something crazy go out and do something crazy and I think that's, we, we could say that because right now it's relatively restful. They're, they're not doing the crazy right now. So what causes people to go out and do that? So they've done some studies. And this study that I'm referring to was not done in recent days. It's like a 10-year-old study. What they found out that if you go out and you're with a group of people and the group of people begin to do something and, and, the, and the mob is so big, the, the, the crowd is so big that people can go out and they begin to do bad actions and there's no consequences for the bad actions, pretty soon you, who would never have done that, begin to do it. Because you had the wisdom. You, you, you left God's wisdom and you rationalized it on your own. Well, there, hey, listen, you might as well take it. It's here. You, you, that, well, you know, nobody's going to see. Nobody's going to find out. Nobody's going to care. And then what we do is we, we embrace our own reasoning and we no longer fear God. We walk away from the wisdom of God and we embrace the evil. Now, that sounds a little bit far-fetched, but let me relate that over here to success. The first thing that happens after a great success is you can take credit for something. I've done well with my family. I've done well financially. I've done well in any given thing with your career. You can come along and you can say, yeah, 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 you know, uh, that's okay. Then somebody comes up to you and says, oh, man, you're, you're unbelievable. You're like, no, 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 no. Inside you're like, yeah, I am. I have figured that out, haven't I? We've all been there. We've all done that. You know, you do something well. You know, you're, you're trying to be humble. You're like, no, 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 no. But inside you're like, yeah. I, I am the greatest thing since sliced cheese, right? Now I want you to take it to a scale where none of us live. It, it's like, man, you're, you're up there in the, the billions and billions and billions. And there's people, they've created something that everybody wants and they're living in this realm and pretty soon those people who become the they become the expert at everything have you ever noticed that like you do well at something you gain little confidence you now become pretty good at many things and and what happens is we slowly you don't do this overnight you slowly can drift into this well yeah i am pretty good well i didn't need to pray about that anymore 
I can, I can make these decisions. And remember, the last time I made this decision, I, didn't, I don't remember praying. So I guess God still was with me. And, and, and then we start to rationalize. And pretty soon, you become the king. You become the person. So whatever area of success that you had, you become, and you become the specialist in that area. And then what happens is our ego gets in the way. And so this is where the heart reveals to us. The heart reveals that, hey, listen, not only was I successful at that, now I have become the authority on everything. And so what we did was we just did a slow drift. It was like the frog in the kettle when I slowly got over to this point. And that's why God says, listen, with your wealth, honor me. You know, every Sunday we come here together. When I go home, I just thank God. I thank God this isn't about me. Did I study this week? You bet. Did I put my time in? You bet. Did I work hard this week? Yeah, I had a killer week. But what's happening here isn't because of Ken. I go home and I say, dear God, thank you. Thank you for all the family that worked together. Thank you, God, that you were here with us. And I tithe of my heart to the Lord. I tithe financially. I give it to God, number one. I give him my heart. I give him my time. I say, oh, Lord, God Almighty, please, Lord, continue. And, you know, there's some days I walk out here and say, oh, I don't know how anybody stayed through that sermon. I'm really dependent on God that day, right? But let me tell you. Just the day you think it's going good, drop on your knees. And that's what God's called us to do. That's in success. So what happens here in, in, uh, in the time of suffering, you know? You look through the scriptures and you, you'll find that, man, God talks about, about this whole thing of your you can become like the crowd. You can become like the barometer around you. Your, your wisdom becomes man's wisdoms and not God's wisdom. Ray Van Leeuwen, he was a, he was a, a Bible scholar, theologian, and uh, he tells a story. He was a Dutch immigrant whose parents lived in the Nazi, Nazi occupation of the Netherlands. And, and he uses these verses. Look here, Proverbs 24, 10 through 12. He says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you, if you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? And, and so what, what he did, this, this theologian who was the immigrant son of parents that lived through this, he talks about during World War II how that, how that families, like, they began to watch the atrocities. So the, the Dutch families began to watch the Jewish people get taken away. And, and what they did was because, listen, there was a consequence now to do good. See, the other one was... We're, we're in, everybody's doing bad, so I start to do bad. Now there was a consequence to do good. And so because the consequence to do good, they didn't fear the Lord as much as they feared their own safety. As they feared, and everybody began to rationalize. And people on top of people on top of people were interviewed from those days. And they said, well, we didn't know. They had an idea. They didn't know. 
And I want to encourage you to think about this in our life because we kind of do that. Under, under stress, consequences to do something good, and we back off from doing the good. And this is what happens in times of suffering. You become under suffering. You go under the adversity, and things get worse, and you begin to become self-centered. You, your ego gets hurt. Your self-centeredness is, uh, is, is really starving. And the, the, what we do is we begin to rationalize things. And you see what happens there? They bring out the sinfulness in our heart. So success and suffering both bring out the sinfulness. They, there are times that show you, hey, either you've got pride and ego over here. You think you've got it. Over here during, during suffering, you walk away. You don't even do right whenever times are hard. You, you walk away. Man, listen, that's how you know you're a Christian. Man, that's how you know your roots are deep. Man, when it got hard, who are you following? Man, listen, God loves his children. He's got his loving hand discipline on you. Don't run away from it. Uh, number two, they show us our idols in general. And I want you to think about the idols because it's so easy for us to, to, to have idols, isn't it? Um, we don't worship statues. Uh, you know, in our, in our day and age, you don't see a lot of people walking around with statues in, in modern America. But uh, I want you to think about this. What are the idols that we worship in our life? Let's just say you were successful at dating and you've got a great, you know, You've been dating, whatever that means, okay? It means you got to, whatever, you got something there, right? Boy, I'm really tongue-tied. Let me move to another illustration, okay? <laughs> you've, been, you've been dating, and then you break up. And I've watched this happen through the years. Somebody had their whole life set on, we're going to, this is our life together, this is our future together, and they had their whole life on a person. And then whenever that relationship broke up, See, it's normal to have grief, right? Like if you if you broke up, that's normal. You should cry. You should, you know, skip a few meals after that. That happened to me once. But then she found me. I don't know. Listen, what happens is you come along and you, you go there. Some people, they're devastated and never move on. They can't function anymore. It destroys them. And everybody has experienced these things. But God says, listen, for some of us that was an idol. And the fact that you couldn't make it without your idol showed you that you were replacing the security from God with the security from another human. And this is where the problem comes. If it's success, times of success, take your career, take whatever it is that is the high point, and you, you look there and you say, okay, God, what is it during that high point? What idol could I possibly be worshiping? Could I be worshiping the idol of myself, my hard work? Could I be worshiping the idol of my reputation? Could I be wor- There's so many things, and so you've got to get along with God and let, let him do this. And he has to show you. And so as he turns on the light, he comes in and he shows it to you. And and let me just say this on success. You know, you go out in our culture today, fame and fortune is everywhere, right? We, we, you know, you watch American Idol. I don't know, is this show still on? But you watch American Idol. Nobody says, hey, let's watch Learning How to Dance. 
you watch the superstars. You watch, hey, there was a football player. That football player shouldn't be able to dance, but look at him. He's unbelievable. They should have pastors dance a thon or something. Wouldn't that be cool? I'll show you how it's done, right? Um, the one legged dance here, right? So I want you to think about that because we live in a culture that says, hey, listen, fame is everything. And if I just got, if I just got, if I just got, well, let me share this with you. This is from a lady by the name of Cynthia Hamill. She was in New York City and she had written in the New York Times, I believe it was. She said that having lived there for a number of years, she got to know a number of the stars that would kind of come and go from, from being in there. And this was her statement on the whole fame thing. And I've read this to you uh, probably a few years back, so, but I just want to share it with you. She says this, I pity celebrities. No, I really do. And then she names a few of them. She says, we were once, they were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish and then laughs merrily when you realize that that's not what you were looking for. You see, and he names a few more of these actors there, they worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to overdose. Because that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that, that, that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives more bearable, that was going to provide for them personal fulfillment and happiness, it had happened, and they were still them. The disillusionment turned them into terrible human beings. And I want you to catch this because we live out here and we think of the famous, we think of people that are extremely, extremely successful. And I want you to know that those people, whenever they have got to the top of the top of the top, they too have found out that there's a huge gaping hole up there and it doesn't work. To go out and become the most famous person in the world, to become the richest person in the world, all those things, there's still a hole in your life that only God can fill. And so when we, when, we, when we experience the success, this is whenever these things come out of our heart. This is when we find the idols that we've been worshiping. So what do we do? Man, you're not going to avoid success, and you're not going to avoid suffering. Uh, I hope you don't avoid success. I'm praying for your success. God wants to work and do great things. Success is healthy. Success, we see it in the Scripture. God tells us how to be successful. But he says, remember who is your boss. Remember who gave you the ability to do what you have done. So what do we do? The gospel changes everything, folks. The gospel of Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again. This changes literally everything. And when I understand that, first of all, when I'm having success, I have to humble myself out of success. The gospel will humble me in a time of success. You did the work. No, no, no. God gave me the resources. God gave me the opportunity. He gave me the time. God has done this great work in my life. God has provided. I humble myself in a time of success. What do I do in a time of suffering? I am affirmed by the gospel. The gospel of Jesus affirms you because Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for your sin. He sent his one and only son. You're going through suffering. Listen, remember how much you're loved. God 
the Father traded His only begotten Son on the cross so that you could have a relationship with Him. And the suffering you're going through, could it be that He has arranged it to mold you more like Him? Remember, Father knows best. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, I think there are, I know that there, in a crowd this size, there's always somebody that says, I'm ready to trust Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again for you. And he wants to do a work in your life. And if you're today, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to trust Christ as my Savior. Would you just pray with me? Just, just call on the name of the Lord. He says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. Would you just pray something like this? Dear God, I need you. You died on the cross to pay for my sin. I'm a sinner. And you did that for me. You were buried. You rose again three days later. God, I give you my heart and soul right now. I'm trusting you to be my Savior. And for others in this room today, maybe you, you've been struggling. You're going through a time of suffering right now. Maybe God's revealed something in your heart on success or suffering and everything in between. Maybe God's talking to you about something we didn't even talk about in this message, but Holy Spirit's talking to you. I want to encourage you to respond to him this morning. Father God, I ask now, Lord, that you will work in a powerful way. Move, Lord, in our hearts this week as we walk out of here and we realize, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father up above. Oh, God, keep us humble. And, Lord, for for when we're suffering, Lord, maybe we just reminded that the pain that we're going through, you're using that, Lord. You're using it to mold me to be the child that you want me to be. You know best. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing our closing song, Blessed Be Your Name.